Episode 144, Why Generative AI Isn't the Threat We Think It Is. Welcome to the PR Playbook Podcast, the only podcast giving you actionable skills and advice you need to execute a strategic PR program. Warning, what you hear next may lead to brand awareness and increased sales and customer exposure. Now here's your host, Rinjini Joshua. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 144. Today, we're going to be talking about a hot topic of AI and content marketing and and why you still need a marketing team. I'm going to be conversing here with Joe Zappa, the founder and CEO of Sharp Pen Media. Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into the AI conversation, which I know a lot of people have questions of, they want to replace their marketing team with a, a bot. Let's let's get you a little background. Tell us where you came from. So I'm a journalist by training. I was the editor for five years of the MarTech, marketing tech media site, Street Fight. Uh, and then I started freelancing as a content marketer and eventually hopped completely over the divide, built up a roster of clients, started hiring people and sort of became one of those sort of organic content marketing freelancers to content marketing agency owners. Awesome. And like, what do you guys typically focus in? Um, what's your area of expertise? So we do marketing strategy content and PR, mostly for advertising and marketing technology companies, which obviously goes back to my time as a journalist in that space. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, you know, there's a lot of things about developing content that we all go through as PR and marketing folks. What do you think is the hardest part about developing content um, with new clients? I think the hardest part is developing differentiated content that actually distinguishes a company from its competitors and resonates with its customers. So I think one of the tricks with content marketing or one of the difficulties is that it's very easy to write stuff. And <laughs> this is also related to the chat GPT thing, right? Is it's yeah. like, it's very easy to pump out uh, what I call commodity content that is just like there is an issue in our industry that we are all aware of and we will say a thing about it that other people have said before many times. And like you can do that, but it's not going to have a big impact on your business. So I think the big challenge with content marketing and PR, like sometimes what I like to refer to as the narrative marketing disciplines is building those differentiated narratives that are actually mm -hmm. going to make people like read your blog post or your thought leadership byline or your white paper and say, huh, this company genuinely has something to say about my problems that I have not heard before. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really hard because, right, all we do is do what we, we have a lot of clickbait and we have a lot of content that seems like it might, do, but it might be different, but it's not necessarily, you know, saying anything different. Like, what, what is your approach to extracting that information and making it, making it seem like more important, like what it really is, you know? Yeah, so I think the challenge here operationally is that whether you're working with an agency or figuring this out in-house, you need to devote a month. Maybe it's at the start of every year. If you're working with an agency, it's going to be the first month that you're working with that agency to marketing strategy. And this basically has three components. It's 
differentiated narrative building. It's go to marketer channels, like where are you going to distribute those differentiated narratives? And then it's measurement. How are we going to make sure that's working and optimize it? And I think we're, in my experience, where most uh, tech companies go wrong with marketing is that they jump into it. So it's very common, for example, I'm sure you've experienced this a ton of times with your agency. Yeah. You'll like get on the phone with a founder or a head of marketing and they say, which is totally understandable, you know, it's time for us to get out there or our VCs want us <laughs> to get out there. And it's I like, love that. yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's a, it's like, absolutely sure. Like we should get you out there. That's part of what marketing does. But before we start pulling the trigger and just like creating content, can we devote 30 days to figuring out who are your competitors? What are they saying? How can you say something different? Can we talk to your customers yeah. and find out how do they perceive you? How do you want to be perceived by them? And what are the narratives that are going to help you make that leap? And then what impact do we expect that that's going to have on your business? How do you get them to dedicate 30 days? Everybody wants it done yesterday. I mean, that's like a you know, I, we live in a, I mean, also us specifically, we're working with a ton of startups who just, they're late. They always feel like they're late. It's like the white rabbit kind of syndrome, <laughs> right? Like, how do you get people to commit to 30 days? That's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that is part of the sales conversation. And yeah. I really think that agencies need to be willing to lose clients over that requirement right because yeah. or if like if you have a client that has a sophisticated marketing team and they already have a strategy and they can show you it's written in a doc like it's like we have thoroughly thought this through like here's what our competitors are saying here's why we're different these are the channels we're going to here's why like if they've thought through the strategy and they really just want a tactical partner to help them execute that's yeah. fine in my experience though most early like early stage companies like seed a maybe even b like they they don't have that all figured out which is totally reasonable that's why they're often going to an agency but then it's like okay let's we will get way more out of the spend if we spend 30 days working through that yeah no i totally agree when you guys do that i'm guessing that you're planning content as well and like kind of some of the topics that you come up with and this is one thing that, you know, is always a struggle with like sitting down with the client. Oftentimes when they hire a PR agency, they're like, oh, OK, we hired you. This is the kind of work we do. Go like go pitch us. Go do this. And I feel like it comes the same thing with content. They're like, well, can you give us ideas? And we can always provide ideas. That's not the problem. I think the problem is inserting what they do as experts into the ideas that we have. And like, I think oftentimes we have to convince them like, hey, you're the experts at the, the job that you do. So you need to distill that information to us so that we can create content around that. How do you typically, how do you get people to kind of understand where they need to provide input and then what you can do to support that? <laughs> yeah, I think they're, there's like the upfront work you do to get the client's input. And then yeah. there's ongoing work. So in terms of the upfront work, like what we'll do with strategy clients is we'll do like a two hour session with basically usually the founder slash CEO, if it's like a fairly early stage company and then the head of marketing, if there is one and like anyone else 
to like five people who needs to be bought in on the marketing strategy. And we'll get together and we'll talk about all those questions I mentioned earlier, like, who are you? Who do you want to be? What are your competitors saying? That kind of thing. And then we'll also talk to their customers. And when we talk to their customers, that's kind of like the reality check. Like the company told us what who they think they are. Now we're going to find out from the customers or do their customers agree? And if not, like we're going to figure out the gap of like perception. And then that's a huge part of what like the content marketing and PR program will focus on. The other, so that's like getting the alignment up front and getting a strategy together. The other thing I would say is a lot of marketing engagements like or marketing programs, they fail in the logistics because as you said, you need input from subject matter experts and company leaders on an ongoing basis. And if you can't get that, like if you can't get someone on the phone to like provide 30 minutes of their time to like weigh in on a piece of content or you can't get anyone to approve the content, then the they're, the company's going to waste their marketing spend for like such an unfortunate and mundane reason, right? right so right. another thing I like to say is in the beginning, I'm like, do you have a VA or a project manager who's going mm-hmm. to help you? Like, right, coordinate who's going to be our point of contact, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Can you set aside two hours a week to do this? Like including a 30-minute meeting, you know, it's yeah. the mundane stuff like that that gets the job done. Yeah, I've, I've um, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and now I do say, you know, hey, just to be upfront, like this doesn't mean that it doesn't require time from you at the beginning. It's going to require more time. And then as we get to know each other, it'll require less time. But you do have to like at least have a couple hours a week to say, hey, I'm going to dedicate this to PR review or content development or whatever. And and it's easy for people to like say, OK, yeah, I'm going to do that. But then when they actually get down to putting it on their calendar it's like a much different thing. And I, I also advise sometimes people who are DIYing their PR and marketing. And I was like, well, if you don't have time, if you don't block out time, at least two to three hours a week to just create content, you are not, it's not going to work for you. You know, like you just have to, there's no getting around it. Whether you have a team, at least the team can accelerate what you do, but whether you have a team or not, you have to make that time. And I think People feel like hiring an agency is a way to wiggle out of that work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think some people, and it's, again, it's like really understandable. They're like, oh, well, I'm hiring an agency. The point is that they're going to do this for me. And it's like, well, yeah, like they're going to write the content or pitch it or whatever. Like they are going to do the bulk of the work, but they still need, you know, an hour, two hours of your time per week. And so someone on the client side, needs to have needs to carve out those two hours and i i just did this with the prospect where you know they're they've never had a marketing agency before and i said like please block out two hours every week in your calendar again 30 minutes of that will just be us meeting but then the other hour and a half is that you know you're gonna have to edit a piece or like provide your feedback or whatever so right um it's really important yeah yeah i've i've noticed that i've had to say that so Let's jump into this conversation that we're here for today. Why is generative AI not the threat that people think it is? I know my answers. I mean, we we have started using a little bit of chat GPT. We use it mostly for research and some background building. But what do, what do you think on, on this, Joe? Why is generative AI not really threatening to what we do? 
Yeah, I think the response to generative AI in the marketing world and the tech world has been way overblown for at least for the state that it's in now. I think it's mainly useful as an idea generation tool or as a research tool. For example, I had a writer who'd never written a piece about location data and I I just tested it myself and I went into ChatGPT and I put in like, you know, write a blog post about location data like X, Y, or Z. And it gave me some interesting information where I was like, okay, this is a good primer on gen on location data for someone who's like never written a blog post about it. Mm-hmm. Even though like, I don't know, a, a past blog post we had written for the company probably would have been just as educational. But the thing is that like that blog post doesn't reflect the company's, not just the company's voice, which people will talk about. And sometimes that's important to the company and sometimes it's not. But it doesn't reflect the particulars of their business. Like everything we were just talking about with narrative differentiation, that's really where chat GPT as like a tactical efficiency tool falls short because it can't do the most impactful work of marketing, which is that strategic component. It is figuring out what is this company's unique selling point? Uh, What does it have to say that none of its competitors say in a way that accentuates its unique strengths? And so I think that the obsession with ChatGPT uh, reflects a broader problem in marketing, which is that like a lot of marketers or people who are commenting on marketing are like very tactical in their thinking. They're like, oh, the big thing here is like, this is going to help us do like 10 blog posts in the time. More content. Yeah. Yeah. More content. That's going to change everything. And I'm just like having like run or participated in content PR programs for dozens of companies. I just don't think that's true. I don't think that the thing that's going to move the needle is doing like 10 times more content. It's and doing it feels like, like just... it feels like, oh, God, like 10 times more content means 10 times more reviewing the content, too. Like, I feel like people overlook the whole copywriting process of like there is, you know, there's a thing with like checking the work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of companies struggle to even approve, you know, yeah. the one blog post, right? Like getting like any agency has worked with clients where it's like getting three articles a month done is really hard. Not because the agency can't crank them out, but because they, you can't get feedback and you can't get approvals and all of that. So, or you, they approve it and then it doesn't get posted on social, these kinds of things. So I just, I think most marketing teams, especially in the startup world, which I know is your world and your audience's world, they don't mainly have tactical marketing problems. They have strategic marketing problems. They need to answer those core three strategic questions of what are our differentiated narratives? How are we going to market with them? And how are we going to measure success? And ChatGPT cannot solve those problems for you. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, you know, this year, especially in like a down economy, you know, PR marketing is the first people to get cut, right? And so... It's really funny because now with ChatGPT or any kind of AI tools, everyone's like, well, we can cut PR marketing because we could just, you know, like chat GPT it or whatever. And it's like, okay, sure. In a down economy, people always feel like, okay, they can cut their marketing team and use chat GPT, create a bunch of content. But I think what they fail to realize and fail to recognize is, again, once you've kind of mentioned already. You need that expertise and that voice, the narrative inserted into those conversations. And then also, I mean, you can have as much content on your table as you want. You have like 20 pieces of paper on the table, but who's going to like 
look through it and make sure that what you got, what you have is quality and then who's going to send it out and how are you going to manage kind of putting it on the different platforms? I guess that actually brings up another question for me to you is strategically and both strategically and tactically, how do you guys advise companies on really like repurposing and leveraging the content that you do create? I think, yeah, I think the most important thing to understand there is that every platform or channel is different and has its own norms and you need to comply with those norms and make the content feel like it's native. So the like re content repurposing is like very big and like B2B tech right now. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I think most people who are like practitioners probably understand this, but everyone might not. That doesn't mean like take the blog post and like just drop the link on LinkedIn. Like this is something that marketers now make fun of, but like it's still a thing that I think a lot of non-marketing like CEOs think they should do is like you, if you like get a byline published or you get a blog post or you publish a blog post, like you just drop the link on LinkedIn. It's like that's not the way because people who are on social platforms, they want to engage with native content on that platform. They don't necessarily want to leave. So it has to be really good content for someone to click the link and leave. And the platforms will punish that link because they don't want people exiting the ecosystem. So you just need to make sure that everywhere you're redistributing or repurposing content, you're tailoring it to that channel. So like, for example, for LinkedIn, you're going to have like, short sentences and like a lot of paragraph breaks and like that kind of thing so that it's digestible on mobile. So just make sure that you're doing that. Is that the same advice you would give? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Like I think people, like you said, uh, a lot of executives are just not being that too mindful of like how different platforms communicate differently. And I, I think that's also like a critical component of making sure that you're catering to the audience that you're looking at, right? Like Instagram is different from LinkedIn. It's different from a TikTok or Facebook or whatever channel you decide that you're is important for you. And I think also even on your blog, I think that's one thing that we found too is that, you know, don't talk to people on the blog like they're not already on your website. <laughs> Sometimes we yep. find that, you know, like they're writing as if they're writing for a publication when it's their own on their blog. How do you guys kind of manage and kind of identify stories that are on different platforms? And what do you what do you recommend for people that are writing content, you know, all for a media outlet versus their blog or how to develop that content? What is the strategic approach for that? Yeah, I think that something I've heard a lot from clients is that not every not every content team or agency that is good for blog writing or social writing can do PR or thought leadership byline writing, for example. So like when you're, everything we just said about different channels and tailoring the content to those channels, it applies to the media too. So, you know, blog content's gonna look one way, social's gonna look another, probably more casual, more digestible, punchier. And then content that you wanna pitch to the media it can't be self-serving at all. Like it can't be promotional or about you. It has to genuinely engage with the industry discourse as the publication in question is covering it. And it needs to endeavor to move forward the industry conversation. So it really, like doing it well, requires not just writing like a piece that is insightful about your industry. It requires understanding like, how is this specific publication covering this issue? 
what have they published on it recently and how is my take going to be different from what their readers have heard before and that's where like pr people can be really helpful not just in <laughs> it's not just like oh i have relationships and so like the editor is going to publish it it's understanding what the what the journalists at that publication have been writing about and are interested in and tailoring a piece to their readers. Right, right. Yeah. And I think it's so funny because I, I also have to explain to a lot of our clients, like, I know it sounds like you feel like you're talking to the reporter, but really we're talking to the reporter's readers and the reporters have a job to do too, right? Anybody who's an editor or a publisher or someone who's going to publish our work or our, our content, their job is to get eyeballs onto their website. And I think that sometimes gets lost in translation from the client, from the client, from the startup, through the PR person to the media outlet. They just think like, oh, I'm going straight out to my audience. But actually, we're not going to your audience. We're going to somebody else's audience. And so we have to cater to that content and information to those people and what they're used to and how they're used to receiving that information. And so the job is a little bit more nuanced <laughs> than just publishing their content. Yes, exactly. You're providing value to the journalist by providing value to their audience, which overlaps with your audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, yeah, we're hitting those content gems right on the head here. Now, I like to make sure that, you know, anytime I have a conversation with another marketer, we we leave everybody with some, you know, golden tips. So what would you say are your like top three tips on producing content for publication for any any company, really? I would say first, differentiate, build differentiated narratives before you start creating content. So don't rush to create content, content that doesn't resonate with your customers and isn't differentiated from that of your competitors. It's not going to drive business objectives. So make sure you do the strategic work of differentiation first. Second, consider the audience for each piece of content in each place you're distributing it. So as we were just talking about, your audience is on LinkedIn is different from your blog, is different from the audience for you know a media site you are pitching. And third, understand the objectives that the content is intended to drive and the KPIs for the content based on where it's going to be placed. So if you have like an early stage startup and they're like desperate for customers, thought leadership islands are probably not the place to go because that's like an awareness play and it's very difficult to measure. So there are like other more like in the weeds ways that you could produce content. Like you can go on social and you can like comment on posts by like, you know, 50 of your target prospects. Like, that's an example of a way to like use content that is sort of like that is very tactical and like will get your client or if you're in-house will get your company in front of its target audience versus like things like you know thought leadership islands and trade sites uh are much more of like they're more prestigious but they're like a long-term play yeah absolutely awesome those are those are awesome tips where can people find you if they want to figure out a little bit more about what you guys do at Sharp Pen? Yeah, there are two places. You can go to podcast.sharppenmedia.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just Google Joe Zappa LinkedIn and I should pop up. 
Awesome. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for jumping on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. All right, great. If you need any more information, check out the show notes. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.